Can you all hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was muted. Hallelujah. Please let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you. Let's give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to your holy name. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Is there a way that music in the lobby can... Um, Stop. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, ancient of days, king of glory, king of righteousness, we thank you, Father. How excellent is your name, oh Lord. How excellent is your name, oh Lord. How excellent is your name. How excellent is your name. How excellent is your name. Oh Lord. How excellent is your name. How excellent is your name. How excellent is your name. Ooh. How wonderful is your name. How wonderful is your name. How wonderful is your name. Oh, Lord. How wonderful is your name. How wonderful is your name, how wonderful is your name, Ooh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, I want to welcome everyone this evening to the meeting. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us this evening. 
please, I want you to just um, in 30 seconds remind people to join. The meeting has started. We're actually starting late today. Apologize for that. Sakori Bashante. But please quickly um, just let everyone know that we're live, we're online. We need to join immediately. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you for opening your word to us tonight. Thank you for opening your hearts to us. Thank you for bringing us into where you are, Father, where you receive us, where we minister to you, where you minister to us, Lord, where you open your heart to us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So um, this evening, we're trusting the Lord to um, begin to open to us um, from the elementary. I would, I always like to start from the elementary for the benefit of those who have not, um, who don't have any idea at all what priesthood is all about, what baptisms and callings are all about. I would, you know, like to start from the very basis or the basics rather, not basis of um, priesthood. And baptisms and callings. Now, concerning baptisms, what many people know about baptisms is have you been water baptized or have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues? Now, except you're in a community like this and you've been for a while, you might not know that baptism is much more than either sprinkling water on your head or even the water baptism that is a symbol that symbolizes or signifies what happened to us at new birth when we received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Then, but there are other baptisms. There are individual baptisms. There are corporate baptisms. There's baptism of fire. Jesus talked about baptism of fire. Jesus talked about, um, told us that the Holy Ghost would baptize us, that he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Okay, John the Baptist said that concerning Jesus. said, I baptize you with water. But the one coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. Then we have the callings, okay? Um, everyone thinks that callings is, you know, when you hear calling, you think of full-time ministry. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be an evangelist. I've, I've, I want to go and answer my call. <laughs> Praise God. However, calling is, is calling for everyone. Everyone is called. Everyone is called into the ministry, really, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of salvation. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a role to play. Hallelujah. Then, of course, the priesthood, um, what the priesthood is all about. So we're going to start um, from the very basic. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for opening our hearts to the truths that you have hidden for us in your word through the scriptures. We'll meet with you tonight. We thank you for opening our eyes. We thank you for establishing your truth in our hearts, oh God, to the end that we are established in these last days in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, I would like to... I'd like to please, if you're in the family, I would like to appeal to media to post the teachings 
from the last retreats. Now we've been having monthly retreats at the cave. Before now, the monthly retreats were strictly for those in the Lamb's Wife Discipleship Program. But we have opened it up for anyone who is hungry in our community to come in, particularly because of the instruction or the commission that we received of the Lord at the last conference we had to raise, for us to make ourselves available to be built up to set certain levels of spiritual stature in the next seven years, to be able to fulfill specific assignments in these seven years also. So for that reason, we know that two hours a week meeting, one hour on Saturday, maybe one hour at Mercedes School, or one hour at Open Book, or one hour during what for now, uh, would not be enough to get us grounded, adequately grounded for that, um, that um, mark, okay? So we've opened up the retreats and we trust the Lord that whenever we come in monthly, it's once a month, we come in on a Friday evening, we leave Saturday, 2 p.m. Uh, on Saturdays, two plus and minus. It's never been minus, always been plus, because there's just so much, you know, to do. Uh, uh, yeah, so 2 p.m. plus, and um, that's about the time we leave. And there's camping facility available so you can camp, sleep in, dormitory-styled accommodation, just two nights, Friday night, Saturday night. Or you come in, it's also scheduled in a manner that you can go home quickly and grab three, four hours of sleep and return because it's back-to-back -back, um, teaching, worship, prayer. This last meeting was exceptional. I think it's... Uh, best two, my opinion. We had one some time ago also that was very, very, uh, left very strong marks. But this particular meeting left very strong marks in our minds and uh, even in me particularly. So I, I, um, <laughs> praise the Lord. I'm, asking that media would make available some of the messages for that retreat for everyone, those who are, who are on our platforms to participate and, and grab it quickly. Um, it will help you in practical ways of, practical ways of being, uh, overcoming difficulties, challenges, practical ways of, fully, fully um, learning to embrace these virtues of our Lord Jesus Christ that will bring us into his full image. Praise God. Um, hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Praise God. So um, it's, 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 it's that word new creation man have either been abused or underused. And we're trusting the Lord that we'll be able to come into the full context of what it means to be a new creation man so that we can function in that reality and our journey into perfection will be fast. It needs to be fast because we don't have time. 
We don't have time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So um, let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 19. Sorry, not Exodus 29. Exodus 19. I'd like to start from there. Like I said, I want to start from the babyhood of priesthood, baptisms and callings. And uh, I know that many of you that have been in the community also have probably can teach these subjects better than myself. But please bear with me tonight while we gradually make our way upwards. Praise God. Hallelujah. Exodus 19, I want to read from verse 6. Well, let's read from verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came there into the wilderness of Sinai, they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, First shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Hallelujah. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. So this was God instructing Moses to tell the children of Israel this. As soon as they crossed over the Red Sea and they came into the wilderness of Sinai, praise God, the next thing the Lord wanted to do was to give them the law, give them his commandments. And in wanting to give them that law, what he had in his heart, his genuine intention, is what is captured in verse 6 of this chapter. And what is that intention? All of you, not one person, not two people, not only Moses or Aaron, all of you, every one of you, I want to make of you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You are going to be unto me a people. All of you will be priests. Hallelujah. And then you are going to be a nation that has been dedicated or a nation that has been dedicated, that's the right word, dedicated to me, sanctified and set apart for me. That's the meaning of that holy nation. It doesn't mean that it's a nation of people that um, don't do anything wrong. Now that is what holiness will do to you. That setting apart will cause you to walk right. Praise God. Hallelujah. That, that initiation into the life of God, into a covenant with God, the result of that initiation is that you will begin to walk right. Because for you to be a holy and peculiar nation, he has to give you the rules that guide that nation. And all the rules that guide that nation are rules of righteousness. They are laws of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So God's intention was for the whole Israel to become priests unto him. 
and then be a peculiar people. Praise God. However, in the course of the journey, in the course of all of these discussions between God, Moses, and the children of Israel, the children of Israel refused. They could not be here to hear the voice of God. And so God decided that, okay, since they don't want to hear me directly, then I have to appoint someone that will stand on their behalf. And so who is a priest? A priest is that person that stands to perform sacred rituals, okay? Or someone that functions in the realm of the spirit and causing the interactions in the realm of the spirit to come into the natural life, to come into the earthly life. So a priest is someone who stands between himself and his deity or his God, because we don't, it's not only um, kingdom priest or priest unto the most high God that you have. You have satanic priests, you have a power priest, you have different kinds of priests. And this is not the first time we're seeing priesthood in the, fam in, in, in the Bible, even not even the first time in, in the company of Israel. Because if you read further in, in verse 19, further down in, the, in verse 19 of, of, um, of this, I mean, further down this chapter 19, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you would see where in verse 24, and the Lord said unto him, away, go thee down and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee, but let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord. So I'm wondering who are these priests? Where are they from? When were they ordained? When were they initiated into the priesthood? Because at this time, the Aaronic priesthood had not yet been established. Okay, so maybe I'm going too fast now, okay? We want to look at priesthood in the Old Testament, first of all, and I'm defining what the priest is. A priest is one that stands between God and the earth, between God and man, right? And this, this priesthood, this thing called priesthood, in the scriptures pertaining to the kingdom of God didn't start in the early church. Didn't start in the church of Jesus Christ, the New Testament church. It started in the Old Testament church. Now in the Old Testament church, what God wanted to do was God wanted to speak to each and every Israelite directly because a priest stands between God and man or between God and the earth. The reason I'm saying the earth is because Assuming the company of Israel, assuming the kingdom, the nation, they accepted to enter into God, to come before God, to receive the priesthood impartation, praise God, then they wouldn't have been standing on behalf of anyone, right? Everyone would be a priest. So it means that it is priesthood activities is beyond just you, God, and someone else, right? It's God and the earth and all that is in the earth, okay? We're going to get there gradually, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in the, in the um, Old Testament, when after the children of Israel came into the wilderness, for them to journey, continue to journey, the first thing God wanted to do was to give them the law, okay? To give them the law. In giving them the law, they would know, understand God. They will understand um the ways of God, they will know what offends God, they will know what God loves, they will know what he doesn't like, they would understand how he wants them to behave, what to do to bring him down, when they sin, what they should do. Now God wanted to give him all 
Give them all their laws. Hallelujah. Can we pray in other tongues for two minutes? Can we just stir up an atmosphere of, of the spirit? I, I'm picking a lot of distractions. There are no physical movements around me, so I'm wondering if our minds are fully here or we're distracted. Can we just pray in the spirit for a few minutes? Oh, Sakatana, you can unmute. Let's let's hear our voices. <laughs> Egyptians had their own priests. In fact, they had a portion of the land 
in Egypt that was allocated to the priest. During the time of famine, when Pharaoh began to buy up everything that belonged to people and buy people's lands, he never touched those lands that belonged to his priests, I mean Egyptian priests. So there were priests even in Egypt. Um, Joseph married, uh, Joseph's daughter was the daughter of, um, of the priests in Egypt. Hallelujah. So there have always been priests. And like we saw from Exodus 19, even within Israel, before God established the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical order or priesthood, God, there were also priests there. Only it, we don't have details of how they functioned. Okay. But there were priests. God recognized them as priests. He called them as priests. We saw that in the book of Exodus chapter 19, the last verse there, I think verse 24. And when God was talking to Moses, he gave specific instructions concerning those priests. But those priests, I, I, I don't know which tribe they came from. I would want to believe that they would have also come from the tribe of from the Levites. But before this time, the priesthood had not been allocated to any tribe in, in Egypt. Okay? I mean, in Israel, while they were in Egypt. So after they came out of the promised land, and after they came out of Egypt through the wilderness, um, into the wilderness, the next thing God did was to give them the law to sanctify them because the law will set them apart. The law will sanctify them. And what God wanted to do was not to give them a law on a stone. God wanted to write the law in their hearts for them. Praise God. God wanted all of them to come to the mountain. God gave instructions, wash yourselves, separate yourselves, don't touch your wives. Everybody fasts. It's a solemn call everybody will come to the mountain i'll meet face to face with you i will talk to you face to face hallelujah but the terror of the lord um scared them and they did not want to go they told moses go on our behalf whatever he tells you we will do it okay we're ready to hear from you but this your god no 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 <laughs> he's scary <laughs> we don't want to talk, talk to him his terror is too much so Moses went on behalf of the people and Moses received the Ten Commandments. Moses was on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord. And after the first, you know the story, after he got the tablets the first time on his way down to the mountain was when Aaron had formed um, the golden calf and caused the children of Israel to start worshipping that calf. Moses, out of anger, smashed the tablet and then had to go back for another 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of the Lord to have fresh, um, come back again with the same commandment. Now, I want to dare say, even though not clearly written in the scriptures, I want to dare say that at the time that Moses was receiving the tablets, there was an encounter that Moses had that enabled God to imprint himself into Moses. Praise God. Moses ceased to be an ordinary man. When Moses was coming down from that mountain, according to the scriptures, his face shone so much that the glory that was upon his face, it was difficult for the children of Israel to look upon his face. His face had to be covered with a veil for them to be able to look at his face. Um, I believe in the mysticisms of God. Now, if you look at the faces of God in the scripture, I believe what would have happened to Moses is that God would have poured himself so much into Moses that Moses' face transfixed or transformed 
into the ages of, of the living God. Moses wore the face of God. It wasn't light. It wasn't, you know, it's, it was, I don't believe it was light. I believe it was, it was, it was, it was beastly looking. It was weird. They couldn't behold it. And yet it carried a glory because the beasts of God are beautiful, even though they are described in words that we can't understand. For example, if you go to the book of Revelations chapter four, you will see the description of the throne, the four living creatures. They are described in the book of Ezekiel. They are described in the book of Revelations chapter four. In the book of Revelations chapter four, these creatures, they could be different. They could be different. I believe they are different because God has these creatures in numbers and numbers of them, you know. Um, but the one that John saw in the book of Revelations, he called them four living creatures, four living creatures. One had a face of a lion, one had a face of an eagle, one had a face of a of a cow, and the other had a face of a man. Now, the one captured in the book of Ezekiel, each one had four faces. Each one, each of these creatures had four faces. On this side, the face of a man, on this side, the face of an eagle, on this side, the face of a lion, that side, the face of a cow. And they moved whithersoever they want to go, right? So if they want to go forward, they go forward. If they want to go leftwards, they don't turn. They just move in that way. There are faces on all four sides. If they want to go right, they all go right. If they want to go backwards, they go backwards, okay? So these are the kind of beings we see around the throne of God. Now, the beautiful thing about these beasts or these beings, I believe because of the beauty of God's holiness and the beauty, the awe of his presence and his glory, when you behold such a creature, it will not be scary, right? It's not demonic. It's not evil. It's the expressions of the different natures of God as he relates to man, the way man can comprehend it, apprehend it, touch it, feel it, understand it. So Moses came down the mountain, I believe very strongly, with those faces going like that, you know, expressing one minute is looking like a man, next minute is looking like an eagle, next minute is looking like a lion, next minute is looking like a cow. Because he came down with the glory of God, that's what the Bible says. That glory was too, too much that the children of Israel covered their faces. But don't let that be an issue. If you think it's light, that's fine. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. So that was what God wanted to pour, put into every single Israelite. Praise God. Every single Israelite. His nature. Now, that's what that would have done to them is that they would have walked as Moses walked. They would have been able to live as Moses lived. They would have been able to do as Moses was doing. Praise the Lord. And then that priesthood would have been for everyone in Israel. And the scripture that, um, you know, there's a scripture. And uh, the scripture that says that, um, <clears throat> and they would all know me. I will write my laws upon their hearts. I will put my laws in their minds. I will give them a new heart and I will write my laws upon their minds and they will all know me and they will not need to teach each person know your God for they shall all know me 
from the least to the greatest, from the smallest to the biggest. Hallelujah. Now, nobody needed to teach Moses to know God. Rather, Moses was the giver of the law. Moses was the one that taught the way of God. Moses was the one that brought forth the will of God. Moses was the one that wrote the Levitical um, laws. He wrote the customary laws of Israel. He wrote their governmental laws. He wrote their agricultural laws. He wrote their social laws. And he wrote their spiritual laws. And he established for them traditions after himself. What he perceived to be right by his own personal judgment. Why? Because he had entered into. God had written upon him his, his mind and his will. So he's able to assess by reason of having that mind of God. He's able to know what should be allowed or what shouldn't be allowed, even by not expressly hearing from God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. You see why we must extend the time? It's quarter to nine. <laughs> and I'm just starting. <laughs> it's quarter to nine. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we also see a man in the New Testament like this, that, I mean, who was like this? The man, that man was Paul, okay? Paul carried out the judgment of God. Why? He had acquired the mind of God. He knew the heart of God. So he gave specific laws and instruction. So you will see that the Holy Ghost captured some of those writings as his word, right? So you see Paul says something like, this instruction is what I am given. Not the Lord, but I, but I have the spirit of God. And then he goes on to another instruction and said, this says the Lord, not I, but the Lord. You see that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Praise God. And then you would also see his counsel when, when he was talking to the Corinthian church. I believe I'm speaking to an elite community of God. You've read the scriptures. So... We don't need to go to all these stories, all these scriptures, you know, all these stories I'm saying from the scriptures, right? If you think we should go there one by one, please indicate with a high five. So we change the models of operandi. I'm, I'm trusting God that you all know these scriptures where they are. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we see Paul in the book of Corinthians also when he was addressing believers who were taking each other to court. Believers would defraud fellow believers of money, rob them of money, maybe borrow money and not pay, or do some business transaction and defraud their brother. And then they would take the matter to court. And, the, and when Paul heard it, Paul was appalled. I mean, he was horrified. I said, like, how can you do this? How can you carry your brother to court? And then he said something. He said, are there no wise men amongst you that can stand and judge over this matter? He said, do you not know that you will judge angels? And if you will judge angels, how is it that you cannot judge amongst yourself? Very little matter like this, that a brother will take another brother to court before unbelievers. Why would an unbeliever preside in judgment over a righteous man? Paul said, no. A righteous man must never take his brother to the second world. Find a wise man in your midst. So that means that means that there is there is there must be of necessity 
accountability within any community. There must be eldership within any community whereby people can be called to order, whereby judgments can come from that eldership council to caution a brother, to caution a sister, to caution a person, and that person is expected to be obedient to that caution. We've lost that in the church. We need to bring it back. These are the days of the restoration of all things that are of God. Hallelujah. So that the body of God can become what it is. The body of Christ on the earth can become what it is meant to be. The ground and the pillar of truth with all the standards of righteousness established in it. Sin. It must be seen that righteousness is done within the body. Within any ecclesia, any local ecclesia, praise God, we must become accountable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So let's go back to priesthood because it's, it's priesthood where um, um, that's what we're looking at this evening. And, you know, um, for the next couple of weeks, let's go to Exodus chapter 28 and see what God did in the Old Testament, how God established the priesthood in the Old Testament. You can read more, read up a bit more by yourselves. Praise God. Exodus 28, and take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me. Now, priesthood in the kingdom is ministry to God. Say with me, ministry to God. Say with me again, ministry to God. So God wants Aaron and his sons to stand in the office of the priest to minister to God. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ephama, Aaron's son. So Aaron had four sons. And from Aaron, which is where we call it the Aaronic priesthood, from Aaron, God established a priesthood from his loins. All the sons that come from his loins and the generations after these four boys or four men would all function in the office of priests. The office of a priest. And Moses began to teach them, God gave instructions on how the garments that they would wear and how they would dress. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for splendor, for glory and for beauty. Praise God. So the garment must not only be beautiful, but the garment must carry the glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That priesthood is an office that somebody occupies. It carries authority. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That they make priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments 
may minister unto me in the priest's office. God is emphatic and clear on who the ministration should be to. The ministration is to who? To God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So minister unto me in the priest's office, and they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. And they shall make down, 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 you see all the description of um, the garment of Aaron. If you come to the cave, you will see one or two paintings that um, captures this um, description of the garment of Aaron um, as a painting. You can also see it online. Each and every one of them have their significant meaning and what it means to us, what it signifies for us in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, the priesthood order has been abandoned. In fact, we'll go, we'll go one step at a time. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Ha. Okay. Um, the, the, I want to go to verse 30. No, no, not, not verse 30. I want to go to verse... 29. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. Okay. And Aaron shall bear this part of the garment of Aaron. When Aaron wants to enter, come into the presence of God to minister to God on the behalf of the children of Israel, what would he wear? On that breastplate of judgment, he will wear it. It will be over his heart. When he goes into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. So each time he goes into the presence of the Lord, he must of necessity be dressed in that garment, be dressed in those attires, and must continually carry the 12 names of the 12 sons of Israel on his chest as he enters into the most holy place. To do what? To receive judgments. For judgment, that's what the Bible calls it. It says he's going in there for judgment, hallelujah, continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. Now, those representatives of the children of Israel or the 12 sons of Israel upon the breastplate of, that Aaron was carrying was represented by stones, different stones, right? Now, each stone represents a tribe. Each stone represents a tribe. If the Lord permits, we'll go to those stones and understand what, what each tribe represents and what it means to us, the significance to us in this dispensation of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, this judgment of Urim and Turim is the judgment of light and Light and um, light and uh, light and perfection. That's right. Light and perfection. Praise God. And the Bible calls those things. <coughs> <coughs> Hallelujah. 
The Bible says that that urim and thummim is for judgments. Okay, so what judgment? Are they going to judge Israel? No, no, no. It's so that when God, when they want to, is like, um, is like um, casting lots. You want to hear the will of God, okay? When David wanted to go for a battle, the priest will come and wear the effort and put on the urim and the thummim, and God, David will make an inquiry. Or you make an inquiry before the Lord. And from the lighting, from the reactions of the Urim and Tumim, and Tumim you will know whether when, well, you will know if God wants you to go ahead or not. So that thing, the purpose of that, those stones is to receive the counsel of God. Let me use the word counsel so that it will be easy for us to understand. You understand the counsel of God, the will of God. Hallelujah. What God wants you to do. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I move backwards? Should I move forward? Praise God. Hallelujah. For on behalf of the children of Israel. So even though the children of Israel refused to come into his presence, for him to pour his will into them. Now, it will amaze me. My husband says this all the time. Please. My husband has loads and loads of teachings on the priesthood. <laughs> I hope you all know that. If you're, if, you're, if you're consistent with this community, you know he teaches the priesthood all the time. But this will be the first time I'm teaching priesthood in the open book, you know, um, beyond our immediate community. The reason also is because we're entering into the instructions to teach uh, after the order of John the Baptist, because just the, John the Baptist was a priest, okay? And that life, the life of a priest is a life of separation. It's not, you know, that lifestyle is higher than the faith life. Permit me, and I'm serious about that, okay? Because you can use faith and get everything you want, maximum comfort, maximum wealth, and all kinds of things, but the priesthood requirements and the priesthood order or the initiation of your callings and your baptisms will demand a complete and total separation from the natural life that your faith is able to bring to you. Do you understand that? And you will be required to go and live in the wilderness or to go and function in the wilderness, praise God, or to sleep on one side of your body for 18 months or for 14 months or for one and a half years. Those are baptisms. Those are callings. Well, we're going to get there um, um, gradually so nobody gets afraid and... Uh, <laughs> and runs away. <laughs> I've learned how to calm down and share these things gradually because when you share it raw and crude the way it is, people will take off. In fact, they can stone you, you know, and say you're teaching heresy, you are insensitive. I was invited to go minister somewhere during COVID and um, I was very aggressive. We were very aggressive with COVID. I particularly was very aggressive with COVID. I was determined that nobody will have carry COVID identity, COVID anything around me. So we were very hard and stood, you know, um, with the word of the Lord, not by our strength, defied everything that um, COVID laws asked people to do. They didn't ask me, I'm not living under those laws. I refuse to live under the laws of darkness. Uh, bondage of darkness, cover your nose, wear your mask, be afraid, don't come near someone. No, 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 no. 
I stoutly rejected that counsel. And so go to the market. I go to the market freely without mask. He said, when you go to the market, when you come back, leave your slippers outside. I said, why should I leave my slippers outside for what? The Bible says that no plague shall come near your dwelling. So it means that by that scripture, no plague is meant to even enter my house, let alone come near my body. When you come back, take off your clothes, go and wash them immediately. No, when I come back, I use my dress and lie on my bed and take communion <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and serve the Lord continually. Praise the Lord. He said, don't open your ministry, minister from the church. He said, no, the Lord instructed us to open the cave and minister from the cave. Those who want to come, let them come. No laws, no COVID laws, don't sit close. Why would you sit close to your brother? What happened to hugging your brother? What happened to the scriptures that says, you know, greet one another with a holy kiss? <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, so I went into this community and I began to teach like I was talking to my people at the cave. Look, the stones that I was told with that day, <laughs> spiritual stones, it was so bad, you know, that all my good intentions of, <laughs> all my good intentions of, of, you know, trying to help my brethren to see that we, this thing, we're stronger than this thing, it has no power over us, was misunderstood. So, um, I learned to take it precept by precept, line upon line, and bearing in mind that all are not strong. There are some that are weak, sincerely weak, not because it's completely their fault. You know, well, they are to blame because they didn't look for more, but sincerely not because it was entirely their fault, just because of the kind of spiritual food they've been exposed to um, as they were growing up spiritually. So you see pastors wearing those masks, hiding. You see pastors running away. You see pastors dodging, and they are preaching the Bible. And I'm like wondering, ah, those things are not consistent with the scriptures. Anyways, so we'll take it easy, um, one step at a time, and trust God for, for light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. My husband has a slogan that he commands at every meeting right now. You are a priest and you are a king. So say with me, you are a priest, you are a king. Say, I'm a priest and I am a king. Hallelujah. So we're learning our priesthood, okay? Now, our priesthood started from somewhere. There was a place where God established priesthood started from the church, the church of the Old Testament, which is called Israel. Israel is the church in the wilderness. Israel is the church in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Now, the priesthood order changed. It morphed from the order of Aaron into the priesthood of Melchizedek in the New Testament, which priesthood order Jesus is standing upon. Now, it is this priesthood order of Jesus which is after the order of Melchizedek that you and I are established on. But as um, students of the Bible, we want to see the pattern, how God established these things for them in the Old Testament. Because each, every Old Testament writing points to Jesus Christ, that is one, 
And every of those writings is for our learning, okay? Not for our practice, for our learning. They mean something. So that thing they mean is what we want to learn so that we can understand that even though I am called to be a priest or I have been named a priest, there is of necessity the need for training. There is of necessity the need for tutelage. There is of necessity the need to, um, to build me up so that I am qualified to enter and function in that office in a manner that is acceptable to God. Hallelujah. Because when we check the pattern in the Old Testament, we will see that it's not everyone who was born into that natural lineage of priesthood order that became a priest. You had to be trained. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we're, we're going to stop here tonight. And um, in two weeks, Next Tuesday, we'll meet by 8 p.m. But the upper Tuesday, we will start our meetings by 6 p.m., except the Lord instructs otherwise, okay? And I know the reason why I'm saying except the Lord instructs otherwise. Because I want this meeting to, I want us to teach conveniently for at least one hour, one full hour, 30 minutes. And then I would like us to pray. I'd like us to pray priestly prayers priestly prayers praise god so we're going to be very intentional there are specific things the lord is teaching us now and i want us to practice it as a, as a community not just when we meet at the cave during retreats but even when we meet online i want us to practice it praying with scriptures establishing the priesthood order and the kingship authority in the place of prayer engaging scriptures to be transformed by those scriptures learning how to trash those scriptures in the place of prayer, praise God, so that we can manifest what those scriptures are saying. Someone is saying, ah, okay, I'm a little too fast. Thank you so much. Always tell me when I'm too fast. I, I think I talk too fast and, and I don't know I talk too fast. So please, whenever I'm going too fast, please help me just um, hit at it and let me know I'm going too fast, okay? So I'm, what I'm saying is that in two weeks time, we would start meeting by 6 p.m. I mentioned it last week and I'm saying it again, that we'll be meeting by 6 p.m. It will be 6 to 8 p.m. Because we need to teach for at least one hour, 30 minutes. And we need to pray for at least 30 minutes and engage the scriptures, priestly prayers, okay? With scriptures, um, enforcing our priesthood and the kingship order through scriptures. I want us to practice inheritance of nature, inheritance of the life that is in the scriptures by threshing out those scriptures consistently as we hear. Because one of the things I have found out amongst us is that we sit in fellowship, we hear, but we're not hearing. And the reason we're not hearing is that we don't take the things we're hearing into the closet. So we want to start practicing them. These things that God wants us to come into, we want to come into them quickly. There's no time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So please, like I'm saying, except God um, counters the upper week, not next week. Next week, Tuesday is what date? It's the 14th. So on the 21st of March, we will start meeting by 6 p.m. 
um, every evening by the grace of God, except God says otherwise, right? Okay, so tonight we're going to stop at the understanding of the Urim and the Thummim, okay? And the, I said that the Urim means light and the Thummim means perfection, praise God. And what that signifies, two things, two critical things. One, and on that breastplate are the names of all the children of Israel. So even though the children of Israel refused to come before God, for God to write on them personally, for God to initiate them into the priesthood order, God still wanted them to be represented by the priest that he has chosen, which was Aaron. So whenever the high priest, excuse me, whenever the high priest will come into the presence of God, he will come in with um, the children of Israel on his chest. And when God sees him, God is seeing the whole of Israel. God, through the um, tablets upon his chest, will cause his counsel, cause his will, cause his mind to be released to a priest according to what God has in mind. But <laughs> it, is, it is worthy of note to note that even though Aaron was a high priest, was made a high priest in Israel himself and his sons, but the life that Moses lived was higher than the order of Aaron. Do you see that? Because God didn't need Aaron at any time to talk to Moses. God didn't need the ephod at any time to communicate his mind and his will to Moses. Why? He wrote himself. He wrote those laws directly, he imparted them directly into Moses when he summoned him to come up. We're going to stop there tonight and we're going to see how that applies to us as we journey. That's one prayer I want you to If you're here, you're a child of God, He washed you in his blood. Hallelujah. I want you to thank God that he put his name on your forehead. You have been sealed with a sealing of the name of God. Hallelujah. You have, you have been separated. I want you to thank God that he has made a down payment over you. God has made a down payment for me. Can you imagine I am of that value before God? He has made a down payment. The down payment that God made for me is the Holy Spirit. He put the Holy Spirit inside of me, indicating by the Holy Ghost living inside me that I have become his prized possession. I have become his own. He owns me. Hallelujah. And by that down payment, he has made a promise that he's going to come and take me fully and I will inherit him fully. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you that I am your own. Hallelujah. I am your own. I am your own. I am your own. Jesus, I am your own. Hallelujah. We are yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you. You have made us your people. You have put your name upon us. You have chosen us. You have washed us with your own blood, Heavenly Father. 
You have separated us unto yourself. And you have called us a nation of priests, a nation of kings. We have become kingly priests, priestly kings, oh God. Father, we thank you that you have opened to us your altar to come in and minister to you face to face, oh God. Lord, in this season, let the fullness of what is in your heart for your people concerning the priesthood order, concerning the kingship order, oh God, Father, teach us. With humility of heart, we ask you to teach us. Lord, we ask that you send your angels that will train us practically on how to live it out. We do not want to carry these knowledges in our heads. And yet we're not able to officiate properly in that office. So Father, we ask you, we thank you for training us. We receive the angels that will train us in this season. We receive the angels that will train us in this season. We receive the angels that will give grant access, holdings, oh my Father, realms, operations, oh God, that must be assessed for us to come fully into these things. We receive the angels that will open them in the name of just the cherubims assigned, oh my Father, to these doors in the spirit. We thank you for visitations. We thank you for impartations. We thank you for spirits. We thank you for lights. We thank you for fire. We thank you for water. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want us to break bread tonight. But we're going to break bread tonight with a different mindset. We're going to receive the blood of Jesus as the tokens. Now, every priesthood order has tokens, right? If you go to a native doctor's place, they have their tokens that they use to do their divinations and their enchantments. Praise God. But in this order, in the priesthood order of God, the tokens of the order of the priesthood of God is blood. Hallelujah. It's the blood of Jesus and the flesh of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every priest must eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. Father, we thank you for the flesh of Jesus. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. By these tokens, we are marked. We are separated. It is defined. It is announced that we belong to God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. We eat the flesh of Jesus. We drink his blood. Where is the flesh? No bread. Oh, okay, there you go. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Eat your flesh. Receive your flesh, the broken body of Jesus. We eat it. Thank you, Father. Drink your blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Amen. 
Lord, I ask that anyone here in our midst sick be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Any bone disorder, any pain in the bones and the muscles in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing. But your word says that you will take sickness away from our midst. That means sickness should not even be where we are. Should not be where we are. Hallelujah. Sickness should not function around where we are. Thank you, my Father. The power to cause these things to be a part of our life will become witnesses of your word, oh God, is released over us in the name of Jesus and over our homes in Jesus' precious name. That our families will enjoy divine health because of us, because of the covenant that we have with you. You said you will remove it from our midst. I speak peace into every family. I speak peace into every family. I speak peace into your families. I call your children healed. In the name of Jesus, Father, we judge hereditary diseases, diseases of the blood, sickle cell, and mania. I judge you I command blood, blood groups to be changed right now. Genotypes, I speak into that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak into your bone marrow as you drink the blood of Jesus. I command a replacement of any disorder in your marrow in your blood vessels, in the name of Jesus Christ. I command the peace of God. I command faith to arise in your heart. I command you to receive and be blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's show the grace of God in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we unmute Jesus and Christ. share this grace together? May the the love of God, of the Holy Spirit, rest of the night, now forevermore in Jesus' Goodness and mercy shall follow days of our life. In the house of Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Good night, everyone. Sleep well. Good night. Good night. God bless you. Good night. God bless you. Good night, I love you so much. <laughs>